Well, hey, everybody. On the Run with uh, Beards and Dunn is back, and we brought a guest with us today. And I'm going to cut right to it. If you don't recognize the individual on the, on the TV screen with us, you know, I think back to the period of 19, I'm going to say about 77 through 1985. That's about an eight-year stretch in there, thereabouts. And, um, you know, you think about marathoners, and I, I have what I'd call my top five for that stretch of time. And some of them are kind of obvious. You know, Frank Shorter probably started in 72 and ran through pretty well competitively into the early 80s. So Frank Shorter's on my list. Bill Rogers on my list. Alberto Salazar, you know, let's be honest, the guy supposedly set the world record and was undefeated for quite a few marathons. And there's a guy from the Midwest named Dick Beardsley that came along. So he, he's in my top five. And my fifth person personal list is Ron Tab. I would put definitely put Ron Tab in the, in, in the top five all-time American marathoners um, in the day, back in our running day. We're, we're very Absolutely. fortunate to have Ron on with us. Beards, any thoughts? Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more, I tell you. Ron and I go way back, and, and uh, we raced against each other a number of times. And I tell you, you know, there was, not counting Celazar, but because I didn't race against him very much, but the guys that I raced against more often, there were two guys that were just – Always tougher than tough. One was Bill Rogers and one the other was Ron Tab. Ron, I'll tell you, you were a heck of a runner back in the day there, buddy. Good, and thanks for being on our show, Ron. Okay, thanks. now just to give you a little more context, you know, we're bragging about Ron, and he, and he seems to be handling it fairly well. But, you know, <laughs> I'm going to go on. I think, Ron, correct me if I'm wrong with any of your statistics. Uh, Four-time All-American in college? Yeah, yep. Division two. Division two. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't care. I never got one of them, so I'm I'm envious of that. Um, Four-time Olympic trial qualifier. Correct. Correct. Um, over twenty sub twenty two twenty marathons. Correct. Um, a two hundred nine thirty one. It was a 209.31 or thirty two, for your PR. Some, I I don't know actually. It's. Uh, at Boston that year, they said 31. I've seen it where it's 32. I think so, it's like Dick's 53 old, turns into 54, you know, with his right, 208, uh, 53, 208, 54. And you might say, what's a second or two? Trust me, every second, <laughs> you, you earn that second, buddy. And, uh, well, you think about this. So would you rather have a 208.59 or a 209 flat? Yeah, ask right, Dixon absolutely. that question. Like, yeah. like Greg Meyer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, anyway, and you know, the list of, and, and Ron, you know, I'm going to do it a disservice, but I think you've got wins in major marathons in like four different continents. Um, New York city third. I always think of that epic rut five. Okay. Five, five Five continents. But I always think of that New York marathon and I don't remember the year when Rod Dixon caught Jeff Smith in the home stretch. And it's just what a, what a classic photo of, Rod Dixon praising, I don't know what, the gods when he crossed that finish line and Jeff Smith sprawled out on the pavement behind him. Little did it know, but who was third place that day? But Ron Tabb, you were right on those guys' heels, I think in the, right around 210 flat, if, if I'm not mistaken. And, and so they were just in front of well, you a little ways. And so your pedigree <laughs> comes, you know, um, we had Bill Rogers on and, and we had Rod DeHaven. And I mentioned Rod with your guys' names and he was humble enough to say, I'm not sure I want to be considered at that level. And uh, but you're one of the uh, one of the giants of the sports. And, and it's, so it's, a, it's an honor for me. I'm going to sit back and I did this with Dick and Bill because those two guys know each other. I don't know Bill Rogers. I met him once or twice. I've never met you, I don't think, other than on the phone, uh, Ron. So, you know, I really hope Dick will. And he always does. Steps up to the plate. You guys start having a little conversation. I'll get the ball rolling. You know, I love asking the question, why running? How did you get started? And, and you know, the, briefly, I know it was uh, late in most people's career, but go ahead, Ron. Well, uh, I began running in 1971. Hmm. Uh, I was a junior in uh, high school. And uh, it probably, it's funny because this kind of ties in with uh, what uh, Dick does today because I was uh, – my junior year, I, I, I tried. I wanted to be a football player, <laughs> and uh, one summer, my grandparents they went to Walker, Minnesota, uh, right in my in, backyard. In your backyard, Bemidji, yeah. And uh, so I chose to go with my grandparents camping and fishing instead of going to uh, football camp. 
uh, you had to have so many practices before you could participate. And so I ended up going up to Minnesota. And as a result, when I got back to uh, my hometown and, and school started, uh, I uh, because back in the day, you were required to take a PE course if you weren't involved in athletics. So as a result of that, I was in a PE class and the coach or the PE instructor had taken a tractor. I come from a really, really small town. We had, in my graduating class, less than 90. And so he takes a tractor out and he plows this uh, uh, cross-country course behind the school. It's a cornfield. And there's a little uh, half-mile path that he, uh, that he uh, carves out. And I beat everyone in the uh, BE class. And uh, we went on and did this for several days several more times and every day or every time we did this I was a little bit faster <laughs> and so a couple of the guys that uh, were on the track team came out to talk to me about possibly joining the track team in the spring we didn't have a cross-country program <laughs> and I you know I I looked at uh, uh, track I knew absolutely nothing about track uh, I, I knew we had some outstanding sprinters at the school that I couldn't run with uh, or keep up with, uh, and you know because they did football, and uh, so I said, well, you know, I this might be my opportunity to earn a Letterman's jacket. You know, that's kind of a big deal when you're in high school is to get that Letterman's jacket. Right. And uh, so I said, well, you know, I'll give it a shot. I'll come out because I, I said, well, I'm not very fast. You know, well, he said, well, you have other, we have other distances, or there are other distances you can compete in. So, uh, so I, the only thing I knew about running as far as distance was concerned is, you know, because this was in 1971, and uh, everyone knew the name Jim Ryan, especially in Missouri and Kansas. So, uh, you know, my, uh, my first uh, race was a, a mile race. When I was in high school, and then uh, I saw some guys running the two mile in the meet, and I thought, yeah, I think I can, you know, I think I can do that. I wanted to challenge myself to go the longest distance. And uh, the first year, uh, my junior year, I uh, won our conference meet uh, and set a school record. And to this day, I remember that time because it was, you know, I think about how slow it is compared to what you, you know, see today, but. Uh, my junior year, my PR for two miles was 1039. Hmm. Yeah, so, uh, <clears throat> but, uh, and I won our conference meet because it was, again, it's a real small, where I went to school in Lexington, Missouri, it's a really, really small uh, community and conference is really small. The schools are all, all pretty small. Anyway, so I ended up, uh, uh, you know, getting addicted to it because. I was getting recognition. I got my Letterman's jacket, won a few medals that year. And uh, um, so that was where it started. How about then you and that then you come around to your senior year? I'm kind of surprised they didn't have a cross country program at your high school. Oh, they they just recently started a program uh, four or five years ago. Really? Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, have I guess you know, that's kind of interesting because you would think cross country has been around. <laughs> Yeah. Then again, you know, for, yeah, forever. <laughs> no, yeah. It well, it's a. They don't, uh, the school that I went to. They don't even have. Uh, I mean, they're trying to put together. You know, get enough kids out to play football. Okay. It's, it's getting uh, yet. I was talking because I'm coaching a, a kid on that team, or you know, back at the at my high old high school. Hmm. I'm coaching this uh, this boy, and he said that they he didn't think that they had 30 kids out for football this year. Yeah, that makes it hard. So how do you, how do you, yeah, yeah, we'd have to have, a, you have to have 11, you know, to, and then if you play both directions, exactly. that, I mean, yeah. you're playing both. Yeah. You know, kids are playing both ways. They were trying to get the, the boy that I'm, uh, that I'm coaching. They're trying to get, they were trying to get him to come out and uh, play wide receiver. And I said, absolutely no. Yeah. And then they said, well, you can kick, we need a kicker so you can come out and kick and just, uh, 
you know, you don't have to make any tackles or anything. I said, no, stay away from football. Let's focus on running because he has, this kid has a bright future with his learning. I'm, I'm laughing because we had a kid, we had two kids and they were brothers. And when I was a sophomore and ran, he was a senior. He was a quarterback of our football team. He would only come and run meets. He never came to a cross country practice, but he was a talented enough athlete that he could run better than any of our top five. He was probably our fourth, fifth man on most meets, but our coach, we needed him. And then he had a younger brother who also did the same thing, played football and would only come to the races. And so, you know, just the talent at those smaller schools, kind of like yourself, Ron, <laughs> but I hear you, you really weren't training. You just showed up at the PE class and beat everybody. Cause yeah, it started off with, yeah. it started off in PE. Yeah. No, yeah. no real. Now your senior year, did you run faster? Yeah. The senior year. Well, then I, I, I really kind of caught the fever. Um, I, uh, went to, uh, I ran my first, had my first experience in a cross country race. I went to, uh, uh, University of Central Missouri did an open meet there. My grandparents took me down there because, uh, again, we didn't have our own, uh, uh, you know, we didn't have cross country. And I was just learning. I was sending letters out to get as much information as I could because we didn't have the Internet to uh, back in the day, you know, to, uh, you know, get the information you can get today. Uh, so I'd said, I said, uh, Jerry Lindgren, I learned about him because he was, uh, you know, just uh, an incredible runner out in Washington. And I sent uh, Prefontaine a letter, you know, trying to get uh, just, you know, get picking people's brains to try and. Did they reply? Did you get anything how. back? No, I never did because I don't even know that they got the letters. Yeah, <laughs> so good point. <laughs> I wasn't sure where to send them to. You. That is awesome, you know, though. So, how fast did you, you run know, as a senior? In Oregon. What's that? How fast did you run then in track as a fr- as a senior? So my senior year, uh, I I really came on uh, really well. I ended up breaking uh, ten minutes. I ran nine fifty six. Uh, I won our conference meet, won our district meet, and finished third in Missouri, you know, at the state meet. And because of one of those sprinters I was telling you about, right. Uh, I ended up getting recruited to attend Central Missouri State University. And I was more or less an afterthought to the coach that was coming to talk to one of the sprinters who was a state champion in the 100. And he was, uh, he'd come to, uh, on a recruiting trip to talk to, uh, uh, to the sprinter. And as an afterthought, he talked to me and you know, invited me uh, to you know, come down to uh, the Central Missouri and join the uh, the track team. So we're talking 1970. Well, you said you were 71 was a junior, so this now we're in 72. Yeah, this was 72 was my senior year. A, a sub 10 minute two mile wasn't probably you know nowadays you might say I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't get any attention, but then that's you know that was noteworthy. I would assume. Well, you had guys like Craig Virgin. Well, they I mean they had a different level. Know, yeah. Who would have lapped me? Yeah, but he didn't come along till '74, uh, so you know, you were a little oh, bit. No, 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 no. Craig, Craig, he was, a Craig was already running. Yeah, he was. Yeah, a Craig was already running pretty fast. <laughs> he broke nine minutes, I think, so, as a sophomore, if I'm not mistaken, and so. Uh, yeah, I think uh, he was probably. I don't know exactly what. Wait, I think Craig is a year younger than me. Well, you went and, to uh, uh, Western Missouri, was it? Central. Central Missouri State. Central Missouri State. State. And I, let's just cut to the chase. You 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 started to come around, blossom. How would you describe your college career? Well, I, I felt like I had a pretty successful yeah. uh, career. Uh, I uh, you know I it's hard for me to identify what I was best. At. Well, I I started recognizing that my the further I went, the better I I was. Me too. Yeah. And we have someone that's your uh, familiar with that was our assistant coach and was helping us. Uh, he was a jackrabbit, and he Bob uh, Busby. Bob Busby, yeah. Right. And Bob uh, was our assistant coach because he was at uh, at the Air Force Base in Knob Noster. He was a lieutenant there, and he would uh, you know come out and train with us, uh, come out and uh, you know advise us. He was he was not officially the assistant coach because he wasn't on the staff. But uh, he would come out and run with us. He'd give us workouts and 
and share his experience because he was a pretty successful uh, mm. uh, collegiate runner and post-collegiate runner and had qualified for the Olympic trials in 76 in the marathon. Hey. And by 76, I was able to train with him at his level. And I, I nearly took the year off to see if I could uh, qualify for the uh, marathon trials because I thought I might be good enough in, you know, in 75 to oh. maybe qualify in 76. My coach, my head, the head coach there talked me out of doing that because, you know, he saw that I was our top uh, distance guy and he saw the, you know, that that would be hurting the team if, uh, you know, if I stepped back for a year. Well, because you, you did, I mean, wasn't it in 76, were you like fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth in the Division Two cross country? You're right up there. I, yeah, I was uh, sixth in the, uh, at the, Nationals, which Spring, yeah, I was at that day, race. I was in, in Springfield, Missouri, if I remember correctly. Springfield, Missouri, yeah. 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 I was I was quite so a ways behind the top, you at that point. <laughs> the top six that you know back then uh, qualified for the uh, Division One meet, which was just a few days later, <laughs> and I I got the last spot there. I was the first guy at. Uh, at Central to uh, ever qualify for. Wow. Where uh, was the Division uh, One meet at? Do you remember? Uh, Denton, Texas. And how did you do, if you don't mind me asking? It was tough. Uh, yeah. God, I was. I'll look it up. In the mid one, mid 100, maybe 140th, 150th, 160th. They, they, yeah. I've seen. I've seen the results of that meet, and there were some real studs. Oh, yeah. There. A lot of Olympians in that uh, in that race. It was kind of uh, unique how Division Two would, like you just said, let the top six go to Division One just as an individual honor, I guess, kind of to recognize their excellence. And they did away with it because one year I think it was Cal Poly SLO put they had almost their entire team in the top six at Division Two, and it was kind of like hey, we can't yeah. let this Division Two school send their team to our Division One nationals. They they never foresaw that a school could possibly put five guys in the top six at a national meet. But well, anyway, so highlight of your college career. Let's get, I want to get to the good stuff post-college. Well, uh, you know, two time cross country, two time track, uh, all American, but, uh, you know, leaving the school, I, I had the, uh, before I graduated, I had the record in the mile, the uh, three mile, and the uh, 10K, and I had all the cross country records, three, four, five, and six miles. Can you share? Do you remember what the so, times were? I hope you do. Uh, Come on. Uh, I don't. Well, were you 410? Uh, in the mile, oh. it was, I believe, 411. Okay. The three mile was 13. Uh, uh, thirteen fifty something okay, in that yeah. range, mm -hmm. and then the uh, six mile was something in the uh, low thirties, like okay. I believe thirty oh six, possibly. Right. Some so nothing you know those weren't really certainly didn't represent what I would eventually uh, do down the road. No, no, it did. It wasn't. It wasn't like a foreshadowing of you know world uh, championships teams. You know, Boston Marathon uh, runner-ups, that sort of thing. Beards, you're back. I don't know if uh, you, <laughs> yeah, we sorry. lost you there for a while. You kind of left me hanging here, bud. But Ron, but Ron's a good conversationalist. He can hold up his end real well. And oh, so, I'm, I'm no doubt about that. Anyway, <laughs> um, we just kind of got through scholars. You know, now this is kind of the – I Dick and I are roadies. You know, cross-country was a great sport. I love cross-country. Track, not so much. I know Dick even shared he – one of his least favorite workouts is going to the track to do intervals and stuff like that. So we'd rather be out on the roads, running in parks, woods, what have you. So then you graduate well, Ron, from college. So, what what was your motivation? And I'm going to let Dick kind of pick it up after this. You know, what got you, okay, I've graduated college. It's time to go out and quit running and start with my life. Uh, no. What was your thoughts at that point? Okay. So, well, we're different because I absolutely love the track. I hated cross country. <laughs> I looked at cross country. I looked at it then as a necessary evil to get ready for track. Okay. So I didn't, <laughs> uh, 
after college, I ran uh, two cross-country races. Uh, I ran nationals because the Houston Harriers wanted me as a part of their team. Um, I think that was in 78 or 79. And then I went back uh, to my alma mater and uh, our some guys we put together a, a ragtag team. Actually, Mark Kerp, you guys are familiar with. Sure. Oh, I know Mark very well. Yeah, Mark, uh, Charlie Gray. I don't know if you know Charlie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no other. You bet. Yeah, yeah. So, so we put together a team and went up the Iowa State Invitation. Good team. Yeah. Yeah, and we actually won the meet. Yeah. So. Uh, what a shocker. I, I believe I it. We had a really good team, so. Huh. But uh, yeah, so those were my only two. I love being on the track, though. I could, I, I mean, if I could have made a, a living running on the track, I would have. But so, Ron, maybe Mike brought this up. But when, when did you decide I'm going to give this marathon a a, a try? We hadn't gone there yet. Yeah. Well, actually, well, we, we sort of tipped or touched on that with uh, the assistant coach that we had at Central Missouri. His name was Bob Busby. And Bob was a qualifier for the Olympic trials in 76. But he had been training with us and coaching us uh, for the last, well, probably the first two or three years of my career at Warrensburg. He was writing the programs and training, and we were training with him. Sure. So, you know, and Bob was, you know, far and above, you know, all of us at, at Warrensburg at the time. And... By 75, I was able to keep up with him in most of our training runs. And in some cases, I was beating him in, in workouts. I remember uh, we had a Sunday night workout where uh, we did a uh, 800 time trial. And, uh, and I ran 156, and he ran uh, like 157. So, I mean, that's pretty cool when you beat your coach. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, I mean, it was only an 800. But we were also, we were doing 10, 12, 15 mile runs together. And I was always, or not always, but, you know, there were some runs I was able to keep, you know, keep pace with him. So I, I began thinking, you know, maybe I would, you know, give up a track season and, and focus on trying to qualify for the Olympic trials in 76. But the head track coach, uh, he wasn't too keen with the idea. Plus I was on scholarship and I didn't really want to lose my scholarship so I I bagged the idea but then in 70 after graduating in 77 I, I called my buddy Charlie Gray that you guys know mm -hmm. and he said hey, Charlie I said you know what let's see if we can't uh, you know focus the next couple of years let's room together you know get a get an apartment together train together and see if we can't qualify for the uh, 80 Olympic trials mm -hmm. and he was more of a steeplechaser 5,000 guy but kind of turned him into a marathon guy uh, as well because he ended up breaking two, uh, 220 and qualifying for the 80 trials as well. But, uh, uh, you know, that's, I just, you know, I told Charlie, I said, here's, you know, we have our entire life, we're still, you know, we're early 20. We have our yeah. entire lives to work. <laughs> but to, to qualify for the Olympic trials, you know, something that we'll always look back on if we do it, you know, because we hadn't done anything to really, Give us, you know, I hadn't even run well. I was a 30 minute 10K guy. So, had you run a marathon yet, Ron? We had done a couple in college after a cross country season. Okay. But, you know, one, we didn't train for it. We just went out and did it after cross country, which is, I would never recommend doing That's that. That kind of was my route also. <laughs> yeah, it's just that that was one of the things I didn't agree with Busby. I thought that, or Bob. You know, I, I didn't think that was a smart thing to, especially now looking up, looking back. Uh, I definitely, uh, you know, as a former college coach, I uh, I never wanted my athletes to, uh, you know, to uh, get involved in events like that. You know, five, five and 10K or 10 mile road races, if they want to do it between uh, cross country and track, that's fine. But I, I never had any of my athletes do a marathon. Uh, after cross country season. So, Ron, do you remember what your what your first marathon, where it was, what and your time for that first one? 
I do. The first time I did it was 319 at the Sunflower Marathon in Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> I'm I'll laughing because I was, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was yeah. there, 1975 so, okay. or 76. I did them both years. And uh, I could maybe okay, say I it's the only did. time I beat Ron Tab. Hmm. Yeah, you probably did. <laughs> so the next year we did it again. Yeah. And I wanted to drop out so bad. <laughs> you know, I laid down on the side of the road because I was so tired and my teammates wouldn't give me a ride. They said, you have to finish. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that's so tough love, bud. <laughs> oh, God, the teammates for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I ended up, I finished, I ran two, I remember distinctly, I ran 259.13. Wow, sub three. Uh, getting to the finish line. And I don't remember what place that was. I guess it's probably. Now, for all of you listening out there, when you uh, hear about a guy, you know, crawling his way through a, a 317 or a 259, and you're going, well, that's not, that's not bad, but it's not very good. I want you to remember, Rod goes on to run a 209 marathon right how many years 1983 from what 76 so that was, that was it uh, i think i ran one one other one down the road but, but going back to that 259.13 the disappointing thing after i got back to school i real i, I discovered that the school record because he had a school record right. it was 259.10 oh <laughs> ouch <laughs> Oh, yeah. that lane in the you ditch kind of that kind of lane in the road. Kind of thing, yeah. Seconds matter. Yes, they do matter. <laughs> now, just to kind of talk about training, just a little bit, and then we'll keep moving. high school. You know, very rudimentary training at best. It sounds like you really kind of carried through on natural talent and hard work. How many miles are were you tracking your miles in those days, or would you even guesstimate on a the summer of your junior to senior college? Year? Yeah. It, uh, Probably 60 to 70 miles a week. Wow, that's uh, pretty good mileage. Yeah, You yeah, loved running. So, yeah, well, that was what we were doing two-a-days at okay. certain times of the year. That was, I wasn't really aspiring to become a, a, a serious runner or a full-time runner in college. It was uh, helping, you know, I was on a, a I My first year, I wasn't really much, I was... I had $100 for my first year of college, but that was also when it wasn't very expensive to go to college. Right. Right. Yeah. But by my, I was a, uh, I was on the five-year plan because my freshman year, I came down with uh, uh, injuries bad enough to where they uh, ended up missing the entire year. So I was awarded a fifth year. Uh, so that was why, uh, you know, I had, no, I was a little bit later. Charlie, Charlie graduated. When I came in as a freshman in 72, uh, we had, going back to the college, uh, and looking at my time, we were talking about, you know, the 956, two mile being my PR. Well, I was, uh, there were 11 guys, freshmen, that had come in with faster times than me. Hmm. Yeah, so you know, I kind of had to work my way up the uh, ladder there. And by the time I, I, I came back, my it was my sophomore year, but technically it was my freshman year because I had been granted a hardship case and, and yeah. given an additional year. I'm a, I hate but, to do this uh, to Dick because I know Dick has got a bunch of questions. I want I know we, we could probably do three or four podcasts with you, Ron, with your history and with the knowledge that you have. I want to break and Dick, correct me. I want to. What was your breakthrough, Ron? When you know when you got post collegiate, you started training with a passion it sounds like you you know like you just said i i love your comment about you've got your whole life to work you just graduated college you're young you're healthy you've got you've got the ability i want to see where i can go with this i think that's commendable because a lot of people don't have the courage to do that they want to take the yeah, well, financial let's i need a job i want to start making money and saving up for my retirement and that's what or i something. when i started coaching Meb, that was one of the things i told him you know is um you know because you have to make there's some difficult decisions you have to make after you after you're done with school, and mine was you know I just said you know I, I I think I was a visionary and I knew that you know I had a lot of years in front of me that I would be working, <laughs> uh, but I knew that the window of opportunity to try and qualify for the Olympic trials would close and it would close soon if I didn't seize the opportunity at the time. So that was that was the you know the reason I. I 
reached out to my buddy Charlie and I said, Charlie, you know, oh, how I picked Houston. Well, I picked Houston because Houston was, the job market was solid down there and I had uh, family there that we could stay with until we got, you know, established. Mm -hmm. So in 77, uh, Charlie and I, we moved down to Houston in the, in June, right after uh, nationals in, uh, at, we had nationals in uh, North Dakota. And uh, I had a suck race at nationals. I'd had shin splints. I'd, I had shin splints all through my college career. That's what actually uh, caused me to uh, uh, forfeit my freshman year. So uh, uh, but anyway, uh, I hitchhiked back from, from North Dakota back to uh, Kansas City. And, uh, you know, because I was done with school by then, and Coach really didn't have much. I, he probably would have gotten a lot of trouble. I had the school found out that <laughs> I hitchhiked back from, uh, you know, from Nationals. But, so Charlie and I got together, moved out to Houston, and then that's when I said, you know, I'm going to start keeping a training diary because I wasn't doing a good job with that. But I, I knew because of the experience that I had with Busby, and he had finished 11th at the trials in 76. And I felt like that I was capable of running fast enough to qualify for the trials. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, and that was it. I mean, that as crazy as it sounds, you know, I was naive enough to believe that I was good enough to do that. And, uh, so, uh, I ran my first, what I really consider my first marathon where I trained and trained properly. I ran in Corpus Christi in October. And that race, it went well. And look, and, uh, Charlie Gray talked me into doing it. Well, he told me about this race in Corpus Christi. He said, hey, uh, there's this marathon in Corpus Christi. Now we're in October. So it is, it's really hot in Texas. And yeah. Still. And, but if you won the race, you got all expenses paid to the Boston Marathon. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm in decent shape. So I go down there and run my first race. I have the race in the bag, but I get the, the motorci motorcycle cop that was my escort pulls pulls up next to me and tells me that uh, the uh, director had indicated that they had turned us around too soon on the course. It was an out and back. Oh, my gosh. And that they were adding two more miles on. At oh. The oh. And I'm spent. It's 90 degrees. You know, the humidity's in the probably 90% humidity. I mean, I'm dying. And I had a huge lead on this, on the guy who was behind me. But, uh, and so the guy that he finally, he caught up with me and he goes, well, you, you want to go on and tie. And I, I wasn't going to, I said, no, you've earned it. Uh, I, you know, I don't have anything left. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to walk in. Uh, walk, jog, and that's what I ended up doing. I finished second. I ran two forty four. Hmm. Uh, finished second to you know to the guy, and uh, but you know I was so angry with how the organizers had messed that up. Oh no, kidding! Around, uh, early like that, so you know, I didn't have the course marked properly. I mean, and I was still learning how to do this uh, this marathoning. And what year so was said, that again? Oh, was that 77? That was 77, October 77. Well, the reason I bring it up, Ron, is I'm looking at, a, I went on Wikipedia and, you know, put your name in there. I'm looking, and, and I'm kind of doing this for time's sake. 1978, St. Louis Marathon, first place, 216.35. Was that your next effort after Corpus Christi? No, so I was going to give, you, yeah. you were we were talking earlier tonight, uh, or this afternoon, about Dick and his progression. Right. So three weeks after the body, or the uh, uh, the race in Corpus, I went to uh, where uh, a lot of guys had been qualifying for the Olympic trials in '75, uh, and qualifying for the '76 trials in '75, and that was the International Rice Festival in, Cor in Crowley, Louisiana. Um, Benji Durden has won that race before. Uh, but I jumped in that race. I ran two twenty nine. Nice. Won, you know, so that was three weeks after that. You know, after that fiasco. Yeah. And uh, Barry Brown, who you guys might remember, sure. Uh, he uh, he won the race in uh, I believe it's two nineteen, two twenty, two twenty one, something like that. Uh, but I was third, and I was pretty excited because I'm thinking, man, you know, 
I'm in the 220s now, and I'm only seven minutes from the provisional, what was the provisional time, uh, you know, to qualify. So I jumped in the, uh, in December, I decided, you know, use November as a, you know, training that puts more miles in. And I jumped in the White Rock Marathon in uh, Dallas. Uh-huh. Went up to Dallas. I ran 222 and finished there. Dang. And Dick, remember John Lodwick? Sure. John won that race. Uh, it was 217 or something like that. But, yeah, you know, I'm getting, feeling pretty good because now I've met the provisional qualifying time for the for the trials. And, you know, and so I, I feel like what I'm doing is, you know, is – is what I need to do for, you know, for the marathon. Yeah, it's working. And then Houston is coming around, and that's uh, in January. Uh, so I've got another month to get ready, prepare myself for Houston. And then I jump into Houston. Uh, I win my first race. I run 217. I break Jeff Wells's record, state record, because he'd had, he had the record previously, and I set the, you know, set the new Texas state record at that race. So, you know, now I, you know, I, and I run two, you know, two seventeen, and that's, uh, you know, at that time it was one of the top times in the country. Sure. For the marathon, and then, uh, uh, so Charlie talks me into going over in New Orleans with him a week, less than a week later, because <laughs> he's running a five k over there, and I'm I decide to jump in the marathon six days after Houston. Well, you sound like yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're crazy. We were crazy back then. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I jump in. I, I end up winning that race around 222. Now, this isn't the bridge race that you guys are familiar with. Right. You know, Which you won. Yeah. This, and yeah, I won that one. But I also won this one as well. So now I've, in six days, I've won Houston and New Orleans. <laughs> and three weeks later, I go up to Missouri and I run 216. Missouri's my home state, so I go back up right. there and uh, I run a two mile the week before indoors. I run my fastest two mile ever. My two mile time in college was nine twenty something, and I run the first time I've ever run under nine minutes for two miles. I Dang! Yeah. At the uh, at this indoor meet, um, and then a week later I go to uh, St. Louis and run two sixteen there. Let me just ask you real quick: what kind of mileage? You know what? I'm seeing some really good progression. Some, you know, what, what were you doing, doing in a general plus. sense? I'm doing 100 plus. Okay. I'm doing 100 plus at this time. Running uh, twice a day. Started. Are you working during the day, part time? I'm, uh, I'm working and I'm hanging gutters on uh, homes. <laughs> nice, relaxing <laughs> job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, this is what you go to college for, to hang guns. Right. <laughs> you know, Dick and I had always said, Dick, remember we said... Char- Charlie and I Charlie and I are both hanging gutters, you know. So he hands yeah. them up to me, and I put them... I, I'm, I'm hanging them on the edge of the... Uh, well, Dick and I were talking about going and pumping gas. Because back in our day, you couldn't do self-service gas yet. We said we could train, and at a minimum, we could always pump gas to make ends... Anyway... <laughs> well, so you're on this roll, and then I, I keep looking at your resume. Okay, St. Louis 216, which was a Missouri state record. Does that still stand to this day, or have people run faster than that? And it's still standing, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. You know, then I'm seeing uh, 70, uh, of course, Honolulu, you got third there in 79. Montreal, 10th place, 217. Yeah, I've seen a whole bunch of 217s, 218s, 216s. Are you making any money from running yet? The first... The first place where I actually had a payday right. was New York in 79. And uh, I was eighth, that, eighth place uh, eighth right. at, at the New York. And uh, they, I got, uh, I was talking to Benji, and we were talking about, you know, where, you know, what we were making in the early stages of our career. And I, it was a $1,500 payday uh, <laughs> at New York. And I get a phone call from the uh, from a reporter from the New York Times because remember back then it was still amateur. We were quote unquote amateur. It was all under the table. Yeah, and it was under the table. So, Dick, where was your first payday? It was New York in 1980. I finished ninth and got 1,500 bucks. I got a Uh-oh. check in the mail, and I I thought, what the heck is this for? And <laughs> and Fred Lebo put a little note in there and. 
And I was, I mean, that was a lot of money for me back then. Yeah, no, no kidding. It was. I mean, 1500 bucks. Uh, you know, that went a long ways back then. Darn right <laughs> so, it did. Yeah, so. But that was that was the first payday, but I signed with Adidas in 78. After, That's what I thought you ran for Adidas for a while, Ron. Yeah, I was with Adidas most of my career, but they, uh, you know, I had a lot of shoe companies because I had, you know, I had that string of marathons where, you know, 244, 229, 222, 216, or 217, uh, 216, a couple of state records. Right. And it was beginning to, you know, catch the attention of a lot of, of people because the, the 216, it sounds funny today, but that time ranked as the 35th fastest marathon ever run by an American hmm. in wow. 78. So, you know, so they it, wanted you. It caught the, you know, it got people's attention. Well, I started sending my background is communications and public relations. So I began sending out letters to uh, potential sponsors because I knew that, you know, what I was accomplishing by being, you know, on the front of magazines and, mm. you know, in newspapers and so on and so forth that, you know, it should merit some type of, uh, some type of sponsorship. And uh, I had, ironically enough, I had done a report in college on Adidas. That was my shoe preference when I was in college. And they came back to me and uh, I get this big giant box with shoes and warm-ups. Nice. Merry Christmas. This is, yeah, that, and that's what it felt like too. Yeah, right. Sub four, uh, Tom Steiner, who was the owner uh, of Sure. Sub4, uh, I had reached out to, to those guys, and uh, I got a huge box from Sub Four uh, with all this running, you know, all these running shorts. Remember, because back when we started, you guys remember we didn't have running shorts with briefs in them. No. And Sub Four had come out with that uh, that short with the briefs in it. Uh, I had uh, Doug uh, Joe Douglas. Remember from uh, Santa Monica Track Club, the coach out there. Yeah. He came and reached out to me because he wanted me to come out to Santa Monica and run for the Santa Monica Track Club. And I didn't want any part of being in L.A. I didn't. Uh, this was before I left, you know, uh, my senior year in college. He was trying to get me to come out there. But anyway, things were, you know, really coming on, starting to develop. Frank Shorter had a lot to uh, to do with me first, you know, getting uh not appearance money, but money for traveling. Uh, I went up for the Tulsa run, and I think that was in 70. Frank ran, a, we ran a lot of races together in Houston uh, and Crowley. Uh, I mean, we had, he was very influential in my career early on, helping me with. You know, wow, the ins and outs. I didn't know that. Yeah, helping me with the ins and outs of, you know, what to do, what to ask for, uh, and how to get to places. So, I became aware of the, you know, of the prize money and prizes um, in, as early as 78. All right. Well, we're going to run out of time. I can tell already. Let's cut to the good stuff. Know. You know, you moved. You're, you're a national class runner. There's no doubt about it at this time. Um, you know, because like you just said, 215, 216, 217, you're, you're a national class runner. To really go, then there's world class, and you know you can argue that that what what makes somebody a world class runner? Well, I guess running at a level where you're traveling to different countries, you're being invited, you're running times that that put you on a, an Olympic level stage, sort of thing. Which I, you know, back in my day, I, I considered it like a two twelve to eleven. Maybe you know you guys, when you were breaking through to those kind of times, it's all at once the transition is. This isn't just a a really serious hobby, passionate hobby that I have, this now has kind of become a career. And, and it might have been a career even, you know, as an amateur. But do you remember, Ron, when that first, does that something come to mind where you said, you know, I, I that New York finishing third? Um, I mean, that's an international field. Um, 210 marathon. I, here's, I'm a little bit different. This would be interesting to hear your uh, your opinion, but I felt like that breaking 220 was uh, was because you could win a lot of races around the world in under 220. Right. 
216, 217. I, you know, I never, I never really had, envi- I never envisioned myself as being a two, two nine, two ten, two eleven marathon runner. It was just a process. It was an evolution. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I, I didn't have the credentials that really could back up that. Oh well, yeah, I think I'm capable of running two oh nine. I never, I never thought that. Uh, it wasn't really a, a goal even. It was something that just, you know, with hard work and putting the miles in, uh, making the sacrifices that it takes to do that, uh, you know, what, I guess, you know, because you look at what the Olympic winning times were. I mean, Frank won Munich yeah. in 72 with what, 2, 10, 30? Oh, yeah. Um, well, he I know one year was a 212. At Montreal and got second. Yeah, I mean, 212, 19, I think, something like that at Montreal. Yeah, Munich. I, I mean... Lopez won what in '84 with a two oh nine. Yeah, I mean, so the world record. I mean, look at how close Dick was to the world record at the <laughs> time. He ran two oh eight fifty three. Right at uh, you know at Boston. I mean, that was that was. Yeah, I mean, just within, a couple of steps off the world within, record at the within time. spitting distance. Yeah, yeah. but well, it's still. I, when did you know? Again, we're getting late. Um, you went on to have, I, I guess, what I would, you know, a, a marquee career. Um, and I, it's kind of your contracts with shoe companies, your prize money. You're able to do, I hate to say this, make a living, well. a comfortable, I uh, hope. Um, and kept that rolling. You know, injuries always are an issue for endurance athletes. And I'm sure you had your share. Um, I remember at Houston in 81, you were there and I was kind of thinking, and did you start that race? Did you start the race, but not finish? Which, which one? 81 Houston. Dick got second behind Rogers. Uh, you know what I did? And, uh, I felt like, uh, if you feel like you're owed something, I'll, you know, let me explain this. (laughs) So in 1980, I had a, Really, really good year because '79 I just finished. I, I had a good '79 as well, but so Houston Marathon was up and coming. I, you know, I, I living there in Houston, I was bringing recognition to the city as you know, a successful distance run, or a successful marathoner. So they decided uh, uh, the race director there, uh, David Hanna, he decides to bring in uh, Chris Stewart from England. And Chris had been awarded or been given $5,000 appearance fee to show up for the race. Dang. Yeah. yeah, That's a pretty hefty. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it. So I told, you know, I I learned about this through the grapevine because I'm in, I'm connected in Houston. Uh, And so it kind of pissed me off a little bit that they were offering him money and not offering me money. Right. Granted, I'm going to run. Right. You're free. Yeah, no. Yeah. So I'm going, wait a minute. Just because I'm from here, that does mean that I'm going to come and I'm I'm going to run. But I'm so angry about that. If You you can go back and look at, uh, you know, at the results of the Houston Post and Chronicle. I'm on the front page and I cross the finish line there and I leap up and, you know, I'm, you know, three feet off the ground. (laughs) I buried... Chris, I ran two thirteen that day, and and just buried Chris. I, you know, and the only reason I did it was to prove a make a point. Yeah. So I didn't get. I ended up not getting an appearance fee. So in eighty one, they asked me to come back down, and they offered the five thousand dollars to me that year. <laughs> I knew I probably wasn't going to be able to finish because I had plantar fasciitis, and I, in fact, I went in for surgery just a couple days after the race. But that's why I said I felt like they owed me that five thousand because they gave Chris five thousand the year before and didn't give me anything. I ended up winning the race, so I felt like I was, you know, I had earned that the year before. I wonder what they gave Bill in eighty one to come in. I heard. Do you have any idea? Do you remember? Uh, we had these conversations, uh, you know, about appearance fees, uh, and I was kind of surprised that some of the. You know, I thought his appearance fees were, would have been higher than they were. Yeah. Uh, and Houston, uh, I forgot what he told me it was, but 
his biggest payday for any one race. And I don't know if he's wants me sharing this, so I, I guess we'll talk off of the record. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, I had heard, and I think it was Dick. Who was it? Mike Hairston. Who was it that was? Um, who was the black uh, Mike? Uh, or um, yeah, you're right, Hairston. I remember when Dick finished second and we were in this and I was, I, I'm going to brag. I got seventh and we were in the VIP cool down area. And I remember he, this kid, this Mike, he was so excited for Dick and he goes, beards, beards. He goes, if you would have beat, I, cause Dick kind of had bill on the ropes for a while. Then Dick got a stitch. Bill had a stomach ache, had to go to the bathroom in the woods, blah, blah, blah. But you know, Dick could have maybe beat Bill Rogers that day under just a little bit of different circumstances. And I remember this guy saying to Dick, you know, Bill got $15,000 today to be here. Dick, if you would have beat him, you, that would be you next time. You'd be the, you know, the top dog. 15 to 20. And, yeah. and I won't, and Dick, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you got 1500 to show up. That uh, the second year, the first year I didn't get anything except expenses. Okay, you know, okay. they flew me down. Then in 82, I think I got like 1500 bucks. Anyway, you know, and so Ron, to cut <laughs> to the chase, you know, going to races like uh, the big M that's in Australia, correct? If I'm not wrong, um, the big M marathon. Yeah. And you won that. Uh, Montreal, uh, you finished 10th first American Rio, Rio <laughs> de Janeiro. Okay. You know, 1985, you won Rio. Beijing. Beijing. You won Beijing, Beijing. in China. Those had appearance fees. You, they said. Beijing was assume. my biggest payday. I picked up, I got uh, to show up uh, 25K for that. Wow. Fantastic. We could that go on and on. You know, we didn't even touch upon you, you. Eventually you qualified for your fourth Olympic trials in 88. And did you run those trials? I did. I, I, I just came across the results of that and, I think I was 40 something. Okay. That, that was kind of the end though of your. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I was forced to, you know, there's the sport sometimes makes you angry uh, because in 88, remember Alberto was having some health issues. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. Right. So they gave, they said they, because of he's Alberto Salazar, they exempted him from having to have a qualifying time for the trials. So I'm going, well, based on my, you know, because I, at the time, I was still the fifth fastest American uh, in the history of the sport. And so I was having some issues with sciatica at that time. So I didn't want to have to run a marathon either. So I got notes from my chiropractor, my doctor, uh, some of my fellow, you know, some of the fellow uh, competitors and, you know, uh, trying to help me get an exemption as well so I could run the run the trials without having to get a qualifying time so anyway yeah usoc uh they denied my request i got denied in 1984 when i blew up my achilles in 83 you know i had a 208 coming in and i I petitioned yeah but alberto got an exemption for 88 i didn't know that yeah that doesn't it make you angry though it does i was so upset and oh yeah yeah it just doesn't make any sense so no uh, I had to end up going. I went to Houston. I qualified. I ran as slow as I could to qualify. Uh, I got. I got the qualifying time. Uh, I don't know. You know. By then, I'm a little bit older, uh, and I don't know how much better I, I would have been able to run. I thought I was capable of still running. You know, under two twelve. Uh, but when you when you're dealing with sciatica, you just don't know what's going to happen. That's right. why I dropped out of eighty four. Uh, because I had sciatic, you know, it was the beginning of my issues with sciatic. But, but you did go on to, you represented the United States at the World Championships in 1983. Uh, you're a first American finisher, 18th overall? Hit that yes. Way? Yeah. So when you think about the, uh, yeah. on the world stage, you know, if you're the 18th best marathoner at that race, I mean. Well, that's the story to that. So you guys know I was married to Mary Decker. Right. Mm-hmm. And so... We were going through a our, our separation. We weren't going through a divorce at that time, but we were going through a separation. So uh, we we actually were uh, getting looked like we might try and get back together again. And uh, so and uh, we'd gone the, the U.S. team. We'd gone to uh, Stockholm for our training camp, and so we end up. You know, we're there together because she's running a race. I ran a 5,000 on the track. She ran, I, I believe, it was an 800. Yeah, more or less just tune-ups. 
So we 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 end up spending a couple of nights together in Stockholm. Then she goes to England for a race. At, I believe it is at Gateshead, and I go on to Helsinki. Okay, so then <clears throat> we get to Helsinki, and she shows up with Richard, <laughs> her new boy, or you know, now husband. Right. And I was so humiliated and embarrassed. I mean, because it wasn't like this was a you know. Two people that people don't know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because we, you know, and so that race, uh, when I went to, you know, to Helsinki, I was in such good, I was in really good shape. I'd won in Sydney. I ran 210 there. Uh, I'd run 29 at Boston. I was running workouts that were just off the charts. I mean, I was running the best races I'd ever run. So I go out and I do something really stupid. Uh, a couple of nights before we had a day off before, uh, uh, you know, that all the, uh, it was a get together for all the athletes and it was a day off and I went out and got plowed mm. <laughs> so, and you know, it's not exactly what I do before any, uh, race. So I, my excuse for running poorly was part of it. I just wasn't mentally in, yeah. into the race. So a few weeks later, I go to Beijing, and Eric Stahl, who was fourth at the World Championships, I beat him. Eric was uh, second. Uh, Bill was actually there, too, and uh, I dropped Bill. Bill and I ran together. I dropped him, and then uh, no, pulled away from the rest of uh, the rest guys. Then I go to, because I, you know, uh, that was a good appearance for you race. Then New York, I go to New York. And uh, pop off another two ten. So it shows you where what kind of shape. Right. Was that course in Helsinki was such a fast. It was my kind of course because it's flatter than pancake. <laughs> and I would have. I, I felt like I could have competed with De Castella that day <laughs> had I not done the stupid ass thing that I did. Yeah. Uh, you know, the couple of days before. Well, I so. think yeah, that's. We better kind of. Quit. We're getting up close to an hour. Um, last thing, I think it's commendable, and we're gonna you know post running career. Coaching, you've kind of committed your life, it sounds like to me, ever since you, you've always coached, it sounds like, in one way. Or, but Meb Kapleski, you were his high school coach? I coached Meb uh, because we were living in San Diego. Wow. I was coaching college there. And uh, I started working with him, uh, you know, when he was in high school. And, and, uh, and I knew Meb before any of you Be- guys ever Before Meb was Meb? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I was, you know, and I knew that he could be an unbelievable runner. I told him in 92, 93, I'm trying to remember when he was a freshman, somewhere right in there. But I told him before he went to UCLA, I said, Meb, you have the potential. And I said, listen, potential is one thing, but realizing it is an entirely different matter. I said, you have the potential to become one of the greatest distance runners this country has ever seen. And I could tell because we trained together. I was still running at a pretty high level. Sure. And... I knew that he had that talent to do something special. And I told him, I said, here's, you know, here's how I see how your career is going to go. In 2000, after you're done with college, you have a chance of making the team in the five or the 10,000. He actually ended up making it in both events. And then I said, in 2004, you're going to become a marathoner. And then you have a chance of winning, potentially winning a medal in the marathon. I said, but you have to keep your note. Don't, Get involved with the fraternity when you're in school. Don't get locked in with a girlfriend. You know, don't go out and feel like you have to have a car. You know, don't do any of these things that will hold you back from seeing your potential. And, uh, you know, very disciplined. He's uh, very intelligent. I I knew that he had the, you know, what I said. He goes, oh, no, I'm going to be a miler. I said, no, you don't have the raw speed to be a miler. I said, you'll be a... Five and ten thousand guy in college, and you'll be a marathoner uh, after your track career is over with. So you know, and it turned out exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it, that's it. I mean, it, I called it way before. Right. Yeah, way before uh, people knew who he was. All right. Well, Ron, I, don't, I feel like we've just touched the tip of the iceberg. I know. Ron, this hour went by so quick. And we, and we, you know, I know you're a busy guy, and we can't thank you enough for being on with Dunn and I. It's just been a, an honor and a pleasure to uh, to uh, be in touch with you and, and share some uh, some great stories. Yeah, but I wanted to hear more on your side. 
we'll, we'll have to do have it to again have sometime. Dick on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Oh, that's it. That's good. Yeah. We're yes. Just, Dick. So I was, I was just saying uh, to Mike uh, that we did yesterday. Rod Dixon, Benji Burton, uh, uh, Liz McCoblin, and uh, I did it again. I, I, I know, and I well, came up with it. Um, for the world. The former world record holder for the women. Um, uh, yeah. Um, and the marathon. From oh, England. Paula Paul Radcliffe. Radcliffe. Paula. Yeah, so we're all on there yesterday doing a podcast. Or not a podcast. It was a Zoom call. Yeah. Uh, you know, cool. We're talking, yeah, we're just talking about the old days. And talking about, because New York is coming up, so that was most right. this one was about. Yeah. But we need to get you on some of these uh, uh, Zooms with us. If you, you know, if you'd That'd like. That'd be fun. Yeah, we do a, we do a quiet every now and then oh yeah just let me, let me know Ron it'd be fun let yeah. me just listen do I, do I have your do I have your well I have it on Facebook so I can message you yeah yeah absolutely and again Ron thanks and we want to thank everybody for listening and if you have any questions for us or comments about the show you can contact us directly on our website at beardsanddonepod.com or you can leave us a comment on our Facebook Instagram or X all at beardsanddonepod yeah, and if you're watching on YouTube be sure to hit the comment, subscribe. We'd love to have you subscribe. And uh, leave us some comments, Anything, you know, any comments about today's episode or things you'd like to hear. And, and, you know, Dick's got a long list of friends that are, you know, in the annals of running history. And so we want to take advantage of him as much as we can. <laughs> and, Ron, you're, you're, you're one of them, and so I sure appreciate you. Absolutely. Ron, thanks, buddy. Thank you, Ron. Hey, thanks, guys. It's been fun. We'll do it again sometime. I hope you so. bet. Take Thank care. You, Bye-bye. Bye.